Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. All right, well, welcome again to Youth Takeover Sunday. I'm the youth pastor, Joel Sanders. So good to have you guys here. It's been an awesome week, and it just shows you what can happen in four days, the transformation that takes place when you take a couple days to go out and just seek Jesus with all your hearts. I mean, you saw a little bit of it this morning, but let me just tell you, that was just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, these students were worshiping their hearts out, jumping around. You saw them this morning just swaying. These big stud guys got their arms around each other, just swaying back and forth, crying their eyes out. I mean, they were praying for each other. It was awesome, church. Do you know we have an awesome youth group in this church? Let's give a big shout out to these guys. This reminds us again why we do what we do and why we invest in the next generation. It's so powerful to see young people fall in love with Jesus. Well, I want to start with a story a couple of years ago. I was putting my son to bed. Uh, he's five now, so he's about three. And he looks up at me and he says, Daddy, I love you. And, you know, he says that to me all the time. Uh, but for some reason this night, it just felt s- special. And, you know, I'm a pastor, so I'm thinking about how I can teach him about the, the love of God in this. And I was thinking about the passage in 1 John 4 where it says that we love because he first loved us. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to teach him about this. Classic pastor move, right? And uh, I go, son, do you know why you love me? And he looks up at me so confidently and goes, because I'm beautiful? <laughs> So fun. We love stories like that because kids are so cute and so fun. But I think we also love it because kids are so bold. They're so confident and so secure. And there's such a sweet innocence to them. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is the childlikeness and how we can have that same childlikeness. My sermon title is, Have You Changed Yet? When you turn to someone next to you and ask them, Have you changed yet? That was a question that Jesus asked his disciples, and we're going to study that passage in Matthew 18. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. We'll have it on the screens. Matthew 18, the first five verses, starting in verse 1. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So as we go back through these verses, I want us to just keep asking the question, have we changed yet? Let's look again at verse one. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know, there comes a certain point in our lives when we grow up that we start to wonder this question. It's not from the beginning of our lives, but at a certain age, we start to wonder, where do I stack up in society? And the disciples, I think that they thought they were maybe pleasing Jesus with the way they asked it because they put a little spiritual twist on it. You see, they weren't just thinking, like, how do we be great? They were like, man, we're going to ask how we can be great in heaven. And, you know, it's not a bad question. You'll notice Jesus doesn't scold them or punish them for for trying to be great. In fact, that's a good thing. God created us with an innate desire to be great. 
But it's different in the kingdom of heaven how we can achieve that greatness. And Jesus' answer is, no, don't be great. He just shows them a way that's not like the world. He shows them a way that isn't how most people try to achieve greatness in this earthly kingdom. Watch what he does. Verse 2, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. Where's Leo? Is Leo? Come on up, Leo. Okay, so he tied his shoe. That he did, he, he, uh, the 9 o'clock service, his shoe was untied, and he stopped right before to, to tie it, by the way. Um, so as I was calling Leo up, maybe you were assuming it was a youth, but maybe you were like, Who, who's Leo? You know, and you got to get in the disciples' mind. I'm sure when they were asking him this question, you know, their whole focus is just like, Jesus, us, this tight circle. And he pauses and he calls a child, but they don't know who he's calling, and they're probably wondering, who's he going to bring? Is he bringing the mayor? Leo, are you the mayor? <laughs> no. He's not a mayor. They're like, maybe he's calling someone important. Leo, are you important? I'd like to think that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's important. But you know, that's not something that children think. They're not thinking, man, I'm just so important. They're just, they're just a child. Leo, how old are you? Twelve. Twelve. Let's give it up for Leo. Thanks, Leo. The first thing Jesus does is call someone. They ask a question, and Jesus calls someone. And not just anyone, but a little child. The disciples had to be thinking, what's he doing? Like, didn't you hear our question? Like, did the kid steal something from Jesus, and Jesus is trying to get something back? Or like, what's going on? <laughs> but Jesus calls somebody, and I think it's so important because Jesus is calling you this morning. I think Jesus probably even knew the kid's name, like I knew Leo's name, and I said his name, and I called him up here. Do you know that Jesus knows your name? He's calling you by name. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He even knows your phone number, and he can text you if he wanted to. This morning, Jesus is calling you, every single person in this room. I remember the first time Jesus called me. I was 17 years old. I wasn't really following God. I went to church, but I was not living for him. I was living a life of sin, and I was overcome by the shame and the darkness. And I remember my junior year of high school coming home one night and going up to my room and just calling out to God and just asking him to come in to my heart, to come in and take away all that shame and that darkness. And I remember Jesus called me. He said, Joel, it's time to live fully for me. He was calling me. He's calling you this morning too. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, whether you're far from him or close to him, he's calling you close to him this morning. Do you know that most Christians give their lives to Jesus at a young age? The statistics show this. In fact, this is one of the reasons why we do a summer camp like we do, because we know that young people are more likely to give their lives to Jesus at a young age, and so it's worth it to put all this time and energy and sleepless nights. I got some pretty good sleep, by the way. But, but it's worth it because we know that kids are, have a soft and sensitive heart towards God. Let me give you some statistics. Nearly half of the Christians in this room probably made a decision to give their hearts to Jesus before they were 13. Two out of every three Christians made that decision before they were 18. Now let me see a show of hands. Who in this room gave their life to Jesus before they were 18? Raise your hand up in your air. Look around the room. I mean, maybe that's all of you, I don't know. The, the, the impact of 
the teenage and preteen and, and young lives is so powerful. And Jesus is calling people, especially at a young age, saying, come to me. I know you. I'm calling you by name. Come to me. I've had the privilege of, hold on, let me ask our youth group. How many of our youth have given their life to Jesus since being a part of our anchored youth group? Raise your hands. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? If you're, if you're wondering why we do youth ministry, there's a good reason right there. We're seeing students give their lives to Jesus, and I've had the privilege of traveling all over the world, doing the, doing the gospel presentation, doing dramas. You know what we do when we go to different nations and ask, get invited to go into schools and different assemblies with lots of young people? We do the Hot Cheetos and Takis dance. It's powerful. It's crazy. <laughs> we'll do the monkey dance or, you know, some kind of fun thing, and then we'll do a gospel presentation. And you know what happens? Almost half the room raises their hand to give their life to Jesus. It's one of the most amazing things to see. I mean, we've done this in like Buddhist schools in Thailand where you see sometimes even the whole room is just raising their hand saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. Just young kids, just hungry for God because he's calling them. They want him. They know he's true. You know, Jesus is calling young people, but he's also calling old people too. Maybe you missed your call when you were 13 or 18, but he's still calling your name. He's saying, I called you when you were young, but now it's still time. He never stops calling you. So, so maybe your call is today. Jesus is calling every single person. Now, after he calls this young child, then he does something else. It says he places the chi child among them. Do you know that Jesus has a place for you? He doesn't just call you, but he actually has a place for you. He puts this child front and center in the middle of this question, this very important theological question that the disciples had to get out of Jesus. He goes, hold on, I want to place this child right here. I want you to see this child. God wants to do that for you. He calls you, but then he has a place for you. It's another reason why we do a youth camp is because it puts our youth in a place of prominence. It shows them, hey, we value you. This is not just a church where you just kind of get shuffled off to the side. It's easier to do that. It's a lot harder to have kids in the midst of things, but we put them here. We have a whole Sunday dedicated to youth because we say, hey, God has a place for you. You're regarded highly in this church. Church, do you love this youth group? Why don't you just look at them and say, we love you. But God has a place for everyone here in this church, young and old. Psalm 16 says, you make my lot secure. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. So after this visual aid, the disciples are kind of like, get to the point, Jesus. I don't know what you're doing. He puts this child here, and then he starts to talk. Look what he says in verse 3. And he said, truly I tell you. Don't you love when Jesus tells you that he's going to tell you the truth? <laughs> truly I tell you. Thanks, Jesus. I'm glad you're going to tell me the truth. Unless you change, say change, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Ooh, he said the C word. We don't like the C word. The C word's hard. Change. Say it again. Say change. We don't like that. We get stuck in our rhythms. And it's hard to change, isn't it, church? I can say that firsthand. It's so hard to change. You know, you see these kids up here doing these funny dances, and, you know, and you're kind of like, ah, oh, I just like to just kind of sit in my seat. And, and, and you mean I have to change to enter the kingdom of God? Yep. 
You mean I can't just stay in my old ways and in my sinful patterns and in my pride and just kind of do what I want to do? That's right. You got to change. Hey, don't get mad at me. Jesus said it. <laughs> Here's the interesting thing, too. He didn't say, hey, give it a try, the old college try. Hey, maybe seek the Lord on this one. Hey, take it to him in, in, in your quiet place. No, he didn't even give you that option. He just said, change. Do it. Unless you change, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. It's a call for all of us. We've got to change. So how do we do it? You don't need to start acting like a child. You don't need to start sucking your thumb again and carrying your blankie around and talking like a baby talk. My little girl, Izzy, she's 18 months old. Her favorite word right now, you can tell it's summertime. She'll walk around and go, pool, pool. <laughs> like make this real big face. We're like, yeah, we went to the pool a week ago. <laughs> she loves the pool. You don't have to do that, aren't you thankful? Here's the first thing you need to do, though. Choose a childlike faith. You gotta choose a childlike faith. Change is a choice, do you know that? No one falls into change. No one accidentally changes. You have to doggedly determine yourself to go, you know what, I'm gonna change and become like a little child. Jesus called me to it. I've gotta make that choice. I've gotta go, you know what, even though it's hard, even though I'm stuck in my ways, I want to enter the kingdom of God. I got to enter into that childlikeness that Jesus has called me. That's why he put that visual aid first, because it's so unlike adults to, to think like that. You know, we start thinking, well, we got to be more adult-like, right? And again, you don't have to act like a child, but he wanted us to see a child. Because as we grow up, we can so easily just get hard. And Jesus is going, no, remember those ways of when you're a child and you just trusted you know, a child just trusts. Dad says jump, and the child goes, ah! You know, sometimes my kid jumps at me, and I'm not even looking. He hits me and knocks me. You know, I'm like, I wasn't ready to catch you, and he just assumed that I would catch him. Don't you love how children think like that? They just have this childlike faith. Don't you want that kind of faith again? Lost my place in the notes. Here we go. A choice to change comes through trust. And that comes from learning to hear the voice of God. We gotta trust our Father's voice. When we know God's calling us, and he's placing us, and he's speaking to us, we can trust that he has good things for us. And we'll be ready to jump, because we know he's called us. His voice is good, he'll never lead you into something bad. I wanna tell you some stories of some of our students that were hearing God for the first time, that were having this childlike faith of trusting their father's voice. I've got some photos so you can see who these students are. First one's about a student named Bobby. What a great smile. On the first night of Desert Days, we had all the students write down their biggest challenge that they were bringing to camp. The biggest thing going on in their minds, their hearts, their lives. Maybe it was a struggle. Maybe it was a temptation. Maybe it was problems in the home. And Bobby wrote something down. He writes it down in his journal, and then we go on with the night. And at the end of the night, we ask God to speak to those things, to speak to that problem and what he was going to do. And, you know, some students, this is new for them, and so they're not hearing God immediately. And so we had them come to the front, and there was a lot of students that came forward, and we began to pray for them, and Bobby was one of them. And one of our leaders came up to him and just starts praying for Bobby, and he starts praying the exact same thing that Bobby had written down in his journal. And this leader didn't read it. You know, he wasn't back there like, oh, I need to go find Bobby's journal. 
Oh, it was on his phone. It's probably locked too, right, Bobby? That's right. And so he starts praying for him, and as he's praying for him, Bobby's going, man, God's speaking to me through this guy. And Bobby said, that was the first time I ever heard God's voice. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, yeah, you can clap. You know, though, do you know why that's a childlike faith? Because as adults, we can have something happen to us like that, and we can go, yeah, but was that really God? Have a childlike faith to go, man, God is one to speak to me. He is going to speak to me today. The next one's about a girl named Susie. <laughs> Susie's awesome. Love her. And Susie, uh, another night, we were going back, uh, we do this often, we go back into painful memories from her past, and we ask God to step into those moments and bring healing to them by showing us where he was, or what he was doing, or what he was saying. We call it inner healing, or memory healing. And as Susie began to recall a memory from her past, we had a leader come and pray for her. And as this leader was praying for her, Susie began to see God in this memory. And God was looking at her, and God's eyes had light, and they were filled with compassion towards her. And God said that I'm bringing you into a new family. And, and she is. She's just been brought into a new family. This church is her new family. This youth group is her new family. And Susie said, that was the first time I'd ever heard God. Isn't this cool? People are hearing God for the first time. It's awesome. And maybe you're out here today, and you'd say, I've never heard God before. Well, let me tell you, God's speaking to you today. At the end, we're going to have our youth praying for people. I want to challenge you to come up to one of these youth and say, hey, would you pray for me? I want to hear God's voice. God wants to speak to every one of you in here this morning. The next one's about Ella. <laughs> Ella's awesome. Ella similarly had a painful memory from her past. It was a certain family member that had spoken something very harmful towards her. And because of that, it caused a, a rift in that relationship, and it affected the, the way she received love from this person and from God. And she always thought, you know what, I'm not loved. And so in order for me to get love, I have to earn it. I have to do something for this family member, but then also for God. And in this memory, God began to speak to her, and the compassion of God was released to her. And she began to feel the compassion of God, that he loved her, without her having to do anything. And she started to receive the love of God and she was being healed from that memory. And God was just beginning to show her, I love you unconditionally. And you can just tell she was different after that night. Isn't that awesome? God is doing something so awesome. But it comes from us having a childlike faith and choosing it and just going, God, I trust you. I want you to speak to me. I want to become like a child where I just listen and I just go, God, what do you have for me? Because I want it. Here's the next verse, verse four. Jesus' continuation of his answer. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, the fascinating thing about children is they're not demanding to be great. You, you heard Leo it's like, are you important? He goes, I, I'd hope to be. You know, he's not like, man, I'm the best, you know. Children are just kind of like content, you know. They're just going to sit there until you just kind of call them forward. And so Jesus looks at his disciples, 
they're wondering this question, they're serious about it. We wanna be great, we don't wanna just be great on earth, but we wanna be great in heaven. Jesus, how do we do it? And he puts this child before him, he calls their name, he places them amongst them, and he goes, you wanna be great? Come in, listen real close, you wanna be great? Change, become like this child, go low. Take this low position of a child, and then you'll be great, and then you'll be great. We've got to do that, church. We've got to change. Have you changed yet? I need help changing. That's why I get around these young people. It helps me. It inspires me. I go, man, I need more faith. I need to trust more. I need to be open more to God's voice. Verse 5, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Isn't that awesome? Here's the second point for how we can change, is we reach out to the younger generation. Reach out to the younger generation. Here's one way you can do that, church. Would you commit to pray for the youth in this church? Would you commit to doing that? It's easy, you can take a couple sentences each morning and just say, God, I pray for these youth. I thank you for the fire that's on them. I pray that it would continue, that they'd jump into a life group. They'd continue that accountability and community. They would spread that to their schools. Just pray for them. That's an incredible way to invest in the the next generation is by praying for our young people. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, said this, it is possible to move men through God by prayer alone. Prayer is powerful. I would love for our church to be praying for our young people, our kids, our our high school and middle school students, our college students, be praying for these young people. They're such an impressionable age at this time. When we were moving from Texas to California to to start All People's Church, we began to study some of the the moves of God that were happening in Southern California over the past century, and one of them was the Jesus People Movement. Some of you are familiar with it or even a part of it. It was in the 60s and 70s when hippies, these people that were into drugs and sex and rock and roll and free spirit, they began to give their lives to Jesus and turn from that, and it was radical. It was a revival. And one of the churches that started seeing a lot of these hippies saved was here in Southern California, and it affected them so much that they began to plant churches all over the world. But there's a backstory to it, and it goes something like this, that a few of the older ladies in the church, as they saw the depravity of that generation, as they saw these young people, they were giving themselves freely over to evil, they said, we've got to pray for these people. We gotta pray for them, and they would just begin to gather in the church, up in the upper prayer room, and they would just begin to pray for these young people, and they'd say, God, get a hold of their lives. God, if you could use our church to to, to bring these people in and show them your love, God, use us, but we just wanna see them change. We wanna see them fall in love with you, Jesus. And they just began to pray and pray, and then they prayed some more, and then they kept praying, and they prayed some more, and you know what happened? They started coming in to this church and they were giving their lives to Jesus and really a revival happened and that's what we wanna see happen. We wanna see the young people give their lives to Jesus. Don't you wanna see that church? We don't wanna just stand from afar, yeah. That's what we're, that's what we're doing here. We wanna see a city change. We don't wanna just stand from afar and kinda of cast judgment and be like, oh man, the young people these days, what are they doing with their lives? No, let's be a people that rise up and go, we've gotta pray more. We've got to call out for this young generation. We don't want to just see them go to hell in a handbasket. We want to see them come to the kingdom. We want to live right in amongst them and pray for them and bring them into God's kingdom. We want to see a revival happen amongst these young people. Here's the next thing you can do. You can invest in this younger generation. We've got a great space here at San Diego State. One of the easy things you can do is just right after the service, you can take a student out to Chipotle or uh, one of the 
great restaurants around here. Get coffee and just get to know them. It doesn't have to be every week, but just one time say, hey, I just want to get to know you. I just want to hear your story. Tell me what life's like for you. If you're doing it with our youth group, which you are, you need to ask them, hey, what country did you grow up in? <laughs> you know, you hear about their stories. Get in their world. It'll help you pray for them better because you'll know, hey, this is, this is a student that's very different than the way I grew up. The next thing you can do, or if, if, if that's too much for you, you can just, after the service, find someone that's wearing one of these shirts and just say, hey, just tell me what happened to you at Desert Days. Tell me your highlight. Tell me what God did in your life. What did he speak to you? What did he do in your life? It's a great way to just say, I'm going to bridge the gap. I'm just going to cross that barrier and say, hey, I'm old, but I want to get to know a young person. What's going on in your world? Here's the last thing you can do is you can become a leader and a disciple maker in the next generation. Now, it doesn't have to be specific to, to our youth ministry. It can be working in our kids or investing in college students or maybe it's just investing in someone five years younger than you. But are you rising up as a leader and doing something about it? Are you going, you know what, I'm not just going to look at people younger than me and just kind of talk about how their generation's so messed up and my generation's so great. But I'm going to go, you know what, I'm going to invest there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my energy there. I want to see it happen. I want to see transformation happen. So I'm going to become a leader. And I'm going to disciple young people. I want my leaders to stand up real quick. If you were a leader out at Desert Days, why don't you stand up? These leaders are awesome. Yeah, they need to be celebrated. They gave up time from work, money, family to come out and serve our youth. I think some people think you have to have a superpower to work with youth. They're like, how do you do it, man? Like, did you drink five Red Bulls out at Desert Days? No, we didn't have any Red Bull. I wish we did. <laughs> you don't have to have a superpower. You just have to hang out with them and ask them how they're doing and just get to know them. It's really easy. They, they just want to know that you care about them and that you're there for them. It's really easy. You can do that for anybody that's younger than you. We need that. Every young person needs someone older than them that's investing in them, that's mentoring them, that's a covering for them. These youth need that. So let me uh, tell you a couple stories. One of them is about Trevor. Got a picture of Trevor there. Now, Trevor's just a guy that got affected because someone got in his life, invested in his life, said, I want to reach out to the younger generation. John Ferreira is just a normal guy. He doesn't have a superpower, although he can do a pretty sweet backflip. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> but he just said, you know what? I want to invest in the younger generation. He actually made some drastic changes, moved over into this area, started working intentionally at Crawford High School, became a football coach because he said, I want to reach young people. I want to reach Crawford students that don't know Jesus, and I want to reach out to them, disciple them, and let them fall in love with Jesus. And Trevor was one of those students that he met. Trevor, let's put that photo back up there of Trevor. Trevor started coming to the club that we have there at Crawford High School. And Trevor was raised in a single parent home. He didn't know God. But then he came to the club and then he started coming to the youth group and uh, he gave his heart to Jesus. His whole life started to become transformed. He became a leader in our club. He's a leader in our youth ministry. He now sings in the worship band. He's graduate, he just graduated from Crawford High School. 
Come on, bro. He just graduated. He's going to Point Loma in the fall. I mean, God's just been doing incredible things in his life. But listen, it just happened because one guy said, hey, I'm just going to invest in the next generation. It's just easy. I mean, yeah, it's hard, but all you have to do is go, I'm going to do it. I'm going to choose to become like a child. I'm going to choose to invest in the next generation. I've got a few uh, more stories. Uh, but before I tell you those stories, the last thing is, do you know that the shelf life of most churches is about 30 years? Because that's about the point where that generation that they started out reaching grew up and they stopped reaching the next generation. They lost vision of going, man, it's actually kind of hard to reach young people. Man, kids are kind of messy. And we don't want to be that church. We want to keep reaching the next generation. We want to keep praying for them. We want to keep calling them forward and placing them in a position of honor and saying, we love you. We're glad you're here. We believe in you. We want you to grow up and fall in love with Jesus and become more on fire than we are. We want our young people to run faster and harder after Jesus than we do. That's our goal at this church. Let me tell you three stories of what can happen when you invest in some young people. These are all salvation stories. They're awesome. The first one's about a, a young man named Sanze. Sanze. Sanze grew up in Rwanda. He actually grew up as a Muslim, going to mosque. He moved, his family moved to the States, and uh, a few years ago, his father passed away. And he started getting into the wrong scene. He started running the streets, and he started dealing drugs, and his life just started to fall apart, and he started to wonder, what am I doing here? What am I doing with this, this life that I've been given? And then one night, he had a dream. And in this dream, Jesus came to him and appeared to him. And Sanze said, I needed Jesus. I wanted Jesus. And then you know what happened? One of his friends, Gershom, said, hey, why don't you come to our youth group? And he invited him to our youth group, and Sanze came, and he started to fall in love with Jesus, and he gave his heart to Jesus at our youth group anchored. Isn't that awesome? And then at Desert Days, we, we had a time where we were calling people forward that had not given their lives to Jesus or ones that were just wanting to recommit their lives to Jesus. And Sanze came forward and he said, you know what, I've done this, but I want in front of all of my friends and publicly just to boldly declare, I'm following Jesus. Come on, it doesn't get any better than that. And, and then he heard God speak to him and he said, because I've saved you, I'm going to use you to save others. Man, what if Sanze just took that and started going, you know what, I'm going to invest in the next generation. And who knows what God's going to do through Sanze's life. Maybe he'll go back to Rwanda and reach all of his community and family and a whole nation. Who knows? God wants to raise young people up. He wants to call them forward and he wants to give them a, a mission. That's what happens when you invest in the next generation. Let me tell you about Jesse. Jesse's awesome. Uh, I love camp, too, because everybody just loves each other. After four days, everyone just starts falling in love with each other. We're like, man, this is a family. Now, Jesse didn't go, grow up in a Christian home, and he was pretty unsure about God. And he, he actually didn't like groups, because any, every group that he had gone to, they poked fun of him. They made fun of him. He never felt welcome. He always felt ostracized. But then one day, his friend Aria, Aria's in the back there, Aria said, hey, I want to invite you to my youth group, Anchored. You can learn about God there. They'll welcome you and love you. 
And reluctantly he came, but what he found was that everybody welcomed him. People started to draw him in, and he said, Me, I, this group was so different because I, I felt like I belonged. No one made fun of me. They welcomed me like I was just one of the family. And at Desert Days, on the second night, Jesse said, you know what, I'm ready to follow Jesus. And on the second night of Desert Days, he went forward, got on his knees, and said, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I want to follow you now. Isn't that awesome? You know, the Bible tells us that kind of stuff's going to happen. It says when people come in, when unbelievers come in and they see the love that you have for each other, they'll give their hearts to Jesus. They'll fall on their knees and say, surely God is amongst these people. That's what Jesse saw. He said, man, these people love me. God must be here. I want to follow Jesus. Now, the next uh, story, Gabriel and Gerardo. I think think they're related. I'm not sure, though. Uh, Gabriel and Gerardo. Um, they played football for Coach John at Crawford High School. And this is another story of just investing in young people and how it can impact their lives. John just began to invite them to, to our youth, and they, they, came, they came on our Mexico mission trip, and they had heard the gospel at different times. But at Desert Days, you know, they, for whatever reason, I think it was similar to Jesse, they started to see, man, this is the group that we want to be with. This is the Jesus we want to follow. We'd heard about the gospel, but now we see the gospel. I've heard about Jesus, but now I see Jesus alive in people. And they said, we're ready to follow Jesus. And they gave their hearts to Jesus. And you just immediately saw the transformation in their lives. Put that photo up again. Look at these guys, man. They're just smiling. The joy that's on them was so different. They just have this confidence and this boldness and security. And these guys started hanging out with Jesse, and they started welcoming him in. And they are like, bro, you're part of the family now. And these guys are just like this dynamic trio that's going to be unstoppable. And so God has just been doing awesome things. But it just takes a few people that are just like, hey, we're just going to invest in the next generation. We're just choosing to change and become like children. We're just trusting. Why don't you stand to your feet, church? When we invest in the next generation, lives are transformed forever. And here's the cool thing. You invest in that generation, and then their generation's transformed forever, but then they'll affect the next generation. We've got to keep investing in the next generation. I hope you're ready to do that. So my question again, church, have you changed yet? Are you ready to change and become like a little child? I'll have my prayer team come forward, different life group leaders, people on the prayer team, have my youth leaders come forward. And I'm going to do something a little different this morning. We don't always do this. But I want to have my students, my my anchored students come forward. These guys and girls are just so filled with the passion and love for Jesus. I want to challenge you, church. It might be hard to come forward and get prayer from a teenager. But if you want more passion for Jesus, even if you're their parents, come up and say, hey, pray for me. I want what you have. These guys are falling in love with Jesus. They're seeing powerful things happen. Just come up and say, hey, Jesus, pray for me. I want to do something before we have people start coming forward. I want everyone just close their eyes, bow their heads. I think there may be some people here this morning that have not given their life to Jesus. And Jesus is calling you right now you're saying, yeah, it's my time. I missed it when I was younger, but I'm here now and I'm ready for that. If that's you, all you have to do is just ask him to come into your life, just like a child, just saying, 
I'm ready. I want you, Jesus. Just pray this simple prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry that I've sinned and gone my own way. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again. I believe that you're coming again. I want you to come into my heart. Take away my sin. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to save me. Prepare a place for me in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. And with everybody's eyes still closed, if anyone's just praying that for the first time, just real quick, just lift your hand up and wave at me just so I can see you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to see where you're at. Just real quick, just raise your hand up and just wave at me. Anyone doing that? Just asking Jesus to come into their heart this morning. Anyone at all? Shoot your hand up real quick. Okay, well, if that's you, you can just come forward and get prayer from one of these prayer leaders. And I'm going to pray to close this out. And Stephen's going to lead us in a song. While I'm praying, you can just go ahead and start moving forward and just asking one of these leaders to pray for you. You just start coming forward right now. Jesus, thank you for what you did in our youth's lives this week. God, would that be just the new foundation in their lives? God, would they just continue to grow from here? Would the fire continue to burn? We're asking that schools would be transformed because of what you did this week. We're asking that families would be healed because of what you did this week. We ask that nations would be changed because of what you did this week. And we're asking for all of us, God, that we would all choose that childlike faith. God, give us more of a trust in you. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.